Welcome to week four of Strider NFL Football Reviews. I'm your host, Ian Strider. And boy, was it a great week of football. There were so many good games, so much fun, a lot of great storylines. I actually had to forego watching Red Zone this Sunday because I spent some time with my family and went to a swimming pool, which actually was really fun. And because of all of modern, today's modern technologies, I was able to watch part of the football game on my phone next to the swimming pool. So that was pretty awesome. And it was a great day, sunny in the Bay Area, in, San, in the San Francisco Bay Area. And um, we took advantage of it. And my daughter got to learn a little bit more on how to swim. She's young. She's, she's just figuring it out. So that was really fun. I'm glad I got to enjoy it with her. And then I got to get home for the end of the afternoon games and watch the, the night game. So that was a lot of fun. And then I got a chance to watch a bunch of highlights on NFL.com. So I really didn't feel like I missed anything, to be honest. So pretty, pretty great. So today we've got a lot of great things stored. We've got a lot of content to cover. We're going to do my usual primetime lights mixed with primetime bites, where I feature some of the great meals I had during the primetime games. We're going to do a little rookie first quarter review. We've got one lame duck to feature, some hot takes, of course, my favorite best games of the week. And we're also going to do an almost first quarter of the season review. Now that we're four games into it, which would normally be the first quarter of the NFL season, but they added a game this season. So we're just shy of the first quarter of the season being done. But we'll take a quick review and we'll think about how each division is looking and how the NFL landscape is is shaping up. So let's jump right on into it with Primetime Lights and Primetime Bites. The week started with a great game with Cincinnati going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars and winning 24-21. And both quarterbacks played great. Trevor Lawrence, the number one draft pick this year, has 17 of 24 for 204 yards and a rushing touchdown. And the number one draft pick pick of last year, Joe Burrow, had 25 of 32 for 348 yards and two touchdowns. And both guys seem to be heading in the direction of becoming great quarterbacks in the league. It's exciting to see these fun young quarterbacks starting out and doing great. Joe Burrow really is just top notch. And Trevor Lawrence, he's cut, he, he played better than he had all season, I thought. He made less mistakes. And we're going to continue to see him grow. And it's going to be exciting. I think he's going to be really, really good. Well, this game, it was really a tale of two halves with the Jaguars scoring the only two touchdowns of the first half. And then the Bengals matching those scores in the third quarter to set up a tense and exciting fourth with the Jaguars desperately fighting to get their first win of the season. But the Bengals offense was just too strong. After the Jags got back in the lead with a touchdown to finish the third quarter, the Bengals absolutely owned the fourth with a a five-and-a-half-minute touchdown drive to start it and another five-and-a-half-minute drive to score the game-winning field goal as time expired, giving the Bengals their first lead of the game, which, of course, was the win. The turning point was really that missed fourth-and-goal attempt by Jacksonville right before the half, in my opinion. It would have been a three-score difference, and instead it was only a two-score difference going into the second half and gave a lot of hope to the Bengals. Hats off to Joe Burrow for continuing to look like a quarterback beyond his years, even though it's only his second season. He was able to masterfully utilize his receivers Tyler Boyd and rookie Jamar Chase 
and especially his tight end, C.J. Uzoma, who had five catches for 95 yards and two of the Bengals' three touchdowns. Uzoma even came up with the biggest play of the game-winning field goal drive as well. This is really a fun Cincinnati team that has a strong chance to vie for the NFC North Division title this year if their offense can continue to put up an electric performance like they did in the second half of this game. For the Jaguars, it's not getting any easier going forward now that they lost their starting wide receiver DJ Chark to a fractured ankle that will put him on IR. I don't think they'll completely get shut out this year, but looking at their schedule, I'll be surprised if they get more than 3-5 to five wins on the season. And for my Thursday night primetime bites, I followed suit from last week and had another garlic chicken Alfredo thin crust pizza from Safeway paired with the Asiago kale chopped salad bag that has shaved Brussels sprouts, tender kale, Parmesan crouton crumble, radicchio, Asiago cheese with a lemon garlic vinaigrette. What can I say? When something's good, I want to go back to it throughout the season and the meal is cheap and big, so it's perfect for game night. So I'll probably have it maybe a couple more times throughout the season. I also kept my streak going with another full body workout with my dumbbells to work up an appetite for the meal and feel okay about overeating. (laughs) And I was consistent as well on Monday and I did the workout again. So far, every Monday and Thursday, I'm getting in that dumbbell workout. Okay, on to the Sunday night primetime game, which had Tampa Bay and Tom Brady going into New England to face the Patriots, his old team, and Tampa Bay just barely won 19-17. Now, every NFL talk show has made this the most hyped-up game of the early season because Tom Brady's the GOAT and Bill Belichick is arguably the greatest coach of all time. And barring an unexpected Super Bowl matchup in the next few seasons, this is going to be the only game where Tom Brady goes back to the home where he won six of his seven Super Bowl rings. For me, going to this game and the state of the rebuilding Patriots, I thought it would be pretty close, but Belichick would have a great game plan and all, but the sheer ability of the Buccaneers would get Tom Brady his win. But Tom didn't have his right-hand man and other former Patriot all-star The Gronk, Rob Gronkowski, who took a sledgehammer of a blow the prior week, breaking his ribs and apparently puncturing his lung. So with Gronk out and maybe the rainy weather stifling Tom's passing game, the game proved to be incredibly close and exciting. What seemed to almost become the biggest storyline, though, was New England's new rookie quarterback, Mac Jones, who looked like he was completely and utterly ready for primetime. He seemed to do all the things a more experienced quarterback would do in that situation. Look off defenders, get rid of the ball with a wicked fast throwing motion before the highly touted Tampa Bay defenders could get to him. And in the end though, the Patriots were just a hair shy from beating Tom Brady and his new football family. With just under two minutes remaining, the rookie and heir apparent Mac Jones drove 23 yards down the field to set up a 56-yard Nick Folk field goal in the rain, and he missed it. And that was it. Tom Brady got his fairy tale moment on a night where he broke Drew Brees' passing yards record, and after the game, it was obvious how much it meant to him to be there and to get the win. Football fans around the country got a great Sunday night primetime game that was filled with excitement, which I was happy about. Now for my Sunday night primetime bites. 
I paused the game so I could skip some commercials and I walked a few blocks to a great Vietnamese restaurant in San Francisco called Jasmine Garden and got my favorite dish, a combo plate with super flavorful, thinly sliced, marinated and grilled chicken thighs and pork with crispy imperial rolls and a refreshing cold vermicelli noodle salad with cucumber, pickled carrots, diced green onion, fresh mint and basil, lettuce and bean sprouts served with a traditional Vietnamese fish sauce and garnished with crumbled peanuts. It's a fantastic dish that is more or less served at most Vietnamese restaurants and I highly recommend it. For the Monday primetime game of the week, the Las Vegas Raiders lost 14 to 28 to the Los Angeles Chargers in Los Angeles, which had a ruckus crowd with probably 75% of the fans being Raider fans because of their presence in LA all those years ago and how strongly their fan base travels. So it made it a really fun game where actually both offenses had a ton of crowd noise, which was fun. But the Raiders' propensity for slow starts finally got the best of them. Their first half offense was non-existent. They only completed one first down all half and the yards of that first down were completely nullified due to a questionable taunting penalty from Darren Waller after he made the catch. They ended up down by 21 going into the second half, which is the farthest they've been down in a game all season. But then it seemed like a magic light switch was turned on in the second half as the Raiders clearly made the necessary adjustments and scored two touchdowns on their first two drives in the third quarter while playing perfectly complimentary football with their defense, forcing two punts in a row. And just when it seemed like the Raiders were going to get a third scoring drive in a row after starting with a fantastic field position, the Chargers defense stiffened and forced a 52-yard field goal attempt, which Daniel Carlson missed, his first miss of the season no less. After that, the game went back to being all Chargers, scoring the exclamation point touchdown on the following drive, followed by a very smart interception by Derwin James, which was the final nail in the Raiders' coffin. The Chargers are clearly the toast of the AFC after the division wins against the Chiefs last week and the beatdown they delivered this week. They've got playmakers in every facet of the field, and all were on display in this game against the Raiders. And for my Monday night primetime bites, for the third week in a row, I got a king-sized cheesesteak from the Cheesesteak Shop and paired it with another Asiago Kale bagged salad I bought from Safeway, and it was awesome as usual. Every year, my football meals, in the past, usually on Sundays, would usually be themed around one restaurant or one dish. Last season, it was red curry chicken rice plate from the Thai restaurant a couple blocks from my house. A couple years ago, it was buffalo wings delivered from my favorite spot in San Francisco, which sadly closed down, but man, they were good. The fat was completely rendered out in the oven, making the skin perfectly crispy and the meat perfectly flavorful. The buffalo sauce was right on and their homemade blue cheese dressing was some of the best I've ever had and they had no problem and they had no problem giving plenty of extra with tons of celery and carrots to dip it in. 
Another year was Chinese lunch boxes delivered from a local restaurant, usually with General Chow's chicken and or Mongolian beef with a side of hot and sour soup or egg drop soup. One year was pizza. Anyway, you get the point. Well, so far, this seems to be the year of the cheesesteak, but we'll see how things go. I mixed it up a little tonight and added a single serving of potato salad that I also got from Safeway. They make a solid potato salad and it's inexpensive. I also got a treat I rarely indulge in, a candy bar. At the aisle, they had a specially flavored mocha and chocolate Kit Kat bar, which was really good. I'm probably going to have to go buy that again sometime. We'll see. And now it's time for Rookie Quarterback First Quarter Review. Now, we already talked about number one draft pick, Trevor Lawrence, from the Thursday primetime game. And he's certainly progressing along this season. And if the Jaguars can continue to build up their team over the next few years, I'd imagine they'll start looking really great. We also already reviewed New England's first-round rookie quarterback, Mac Jones, from the Sunday primetime game. And he definitely is proving to be the most NFL-ready quarterback out the gate. Not to mention, he's set up with a great coaching staff and coach in Bill Belichick and solid players around him. It seems like the Patriots have the perfect quarterback to position them for success through the next 10 to 12 years. As for the second overall draft pick, quarterback Zach Wilson, well, let's examine how he's doing as we review the New York Jets and Tennessee Titans game, where the Tennessee Titans lost 24-27. to Zach Wilson helped the Jets get their first win of the season in overtime, just like their New York counterparts, the Giants, who also did that this week. And he played his best game of the season by far, throwing for 297 yards and two touchdowns. And he did have one interception to add to his very large list of interceptions so far this season. But compared to his other three games, that's a drastic improvement, and he showed flashes of his potential and why he was drafted number two overall this year. Like all these rookie quarterbacks that are getting thrust into the starting lineup right away this year, it's going to take some time for them to develop, and they're going to have quite a bit of growing pains. And Zach Wilson showed, at least for this week, that he's learning and getting better, which has to be exciting for Jets fans. Jets first-year head coach Robert Saleh has also got to be excited about the seven-sack performance his defense managed, especially with his background when he was the defensive coordinator of the 49ers the last few years as they built up a dominant defense. And for the Titans, Derrick Henry gave his usual semi-truck powerhouse performance, running for 157 yards on 33 attempts and a touchdown, Ryan Tannehill was mistake-free, throwing for 30 out of 49 for 298 yards and a touchdown. And both teams played really, really well. And it was a hard-fought game with a ton of highlights. But in the end, it took a pair of drives in overtime to decide the winner. The Jets got the ball first and drove down the field to get a field goal after a 13-play drive, giving the Titans a chance to win or tie the game with five minutes to go. But unfortunately for the Titans, after an exciting 13-play drive of their own, their kicker, Randy Bullock, who has been very good through all of his career, missed the 49-yard field goal attempt that would have tied the game with 19 seconds to go. Hey, congrats to the Jets for getting their first win of the year, and congrats to Zach Wilson. 
and questions about the Titans' defense kind of loom as we turn the bend towards the second quarter of the season. The third overall pick by the 49ers, Trey Lance, also got an opportunity to play Sunday unexpectedly when Jimmy G got injured at the end of the first half. His performance was up and down, and we'll examine it later in the show when we review that game as part of my fan favorite segment. In the long run, Trey Lance looks like he's got all the necessary tools to be another really great quarterback, but it's going to take some time to develop, as it should. Also in the upcoming fan favorite segment, we'll examine the fourth overall pick, Josh Fields by the Chicago Bears, since they're another one of my three favorite teams. For now, I'll just say Josh's performance was a vast improvement to the nine-sack beatdown he suffered at the hands of Miles Garrett and the Cleveland Browns last week. Unfortunately, the final rookie quarterback in our rookie first quarter review segment, who was drafted in the third round and was not expected to be a starter this season, but was thrust into the starting role due to injury, is the one and only lame duck of the week. And of course, he plays for the Houston Texans, who got completely shut out by the Buffalo Bills 40-0. to And this was the second shutout for Buffalo this season after they beat the Dolphins 35-0 two weeks ago. So at least against bad teams, the Bills' defense looks really good. But let's face it, this Houston Texans team with the rookie quarterback, third-round pick Davis Mills just isn't very good and probably won't win very many games this season. Mills threw four interceptions on 11 attempts and only put up 87 yards, resulting in an abysmal quarterback rating of 23.4. And when Houston wasn't throwing interceptions, they were having turnovers on downs and fumbling the ball. Still, big credit to Buffalo, who was playing very well since their surprise home field loss to Pittsburgh in the first week of the season. They've got a lot of offensive weapons, and I'm really enjoying watching the success of tight end Dawson Knox, who had a couple awesome touchdowns in the game. We'll get a sense of just how good they are in the next two weeks when they play offensive powerhouses Kansas City and Tennessee. I fully expect, however, that Buffalo will win their division this year, so it will be interesting to see how they stack up against other playoff contenders. And now it's time for... Hot takes. That's right. We're going to go through some games a little faster to cover a bunch of them. And let's start off with the Pittsburgh Steelers losing 17-27 to to the Green Bay Packers. First, congrats to Ben Roethlisberger, who became the eighth player in NFL history to hit 400 career passing touchdowns during this game. Unfortunately for Ben, the Steelers and all their fans, that would be his only touchdown of the day. And Aaron Rodgers is and always will be better than Ben Roethlisberger. And this game was an example of that. They both had comparable yardage, but Rodgers threw for two touchdowns, whereas Roethlisberger threw for only one and one interception. The Steelers continue to be a team with a ton of question marks, while the Packers are looking more and more like a force to be reckoned with on any given Sunday. On to the next hot take. Washington winning 34 to 30 against Atlanta. Now, offensively, this game was super fun. Both quarterbacks played really well. Taylor Heineke with 333 yards and three touchdowns, and Matt Ryan with 300 total yards and four touchdowns. 
and there were some fantastic plays throughout the game for both offenses, but especially Washington. There was the game-winning 30-yard catch-and-run touchdown by J.D. McKissick, where he leapt over the pylon and got the ball in the end zone as he soared out of bounds. There were multiple big catches by Terry McLaurin, who had six receptions for 123 yards and two touchdowns on the day. And not to mention the DeAndre Carter 101-yard kick return touchdown to start the second half to put Washington back in the lead in a game where there was five lead changes, most of them taking place in the second half. For Atlanta, Corderell Patterson had a huge game with a side dish of 34 rushing yards to go with his 82 receiving yards and three touchdowns. But in a game where neither defense played well at all, Washington was able to do just enough to stop Atlanta on their last-ditch effort to get the win. Okay, on to the next hot take. The Carolina Panthers losing their first game of the season 28-36 to to the Dallas Cowboys. And this was an exciting to see this matchup of two early division leaders in the NFC. And Dallas outplayed Carolina on offense and defense. Panthers still had a decent showing with Sam Darnold throwing for 301 yards on 26 completions for two touchdowns, not to mention he ran in two additional touchdowns, but his two interceptions were costly at critical moments in the third quarter, allowing the Cowboys to extend their lead to an insurmountable level. Dallas looked really good, which was especially impressive considering Carolina showed a stout defense and legit offense as they came into this game undefeated. But Dak Prescott, who was 14 of 22 for 180 yards and four touchdowns in the game, is showing a masterful control of the offense. And the play calling from offensive coordinator Kellen Moore has been impressive and well-balanced, allowing for Zeke Elliott, who rushed for 143 yards on and a touchdown, to have a great early part of the season. Barring injuries, this team is going to be a contender in any game they play this season and into the playoffs. All right, the next hot take is the Indianapolis Colts winning 27-17 against their division rival, the Miami Dolphins. And Colts second-year running back Jonathan Taylor finally had his first breakout game of the year, rushing with purpose for 103 yards and a very sweet touchdown. Carson Wentz avoided big mistakes and had a great outing, throwing for 24 of 32 for 228 yards and two touchdowns, and a very good quarterback rating of 115.1. He did a great job of involving and distributing the ball with receptions to 10 different players, including his tight end, Mo Cox, who got both touchdowns as part of his three-reception 42-yard day. For Miami... Jacoby Brissett continues to show why he's one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league, throwing for 20 completions on 30 attempts for 190 yards and two touchdowns. But the injuries in Miami aren't helping as he just lost a receiving threat in Will Fuller, who broke his finger and is expected to be out for a few weeks. The next hot take was the Cleveland Browns winning 14-7 against the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota. Neither quarterback played very well in this game, except for some brief moments. Both teams scored only one touchdown, although Cleveland took advantage of a penalty to successfully make a two-point conversion from the one-yard line. 
And the difference was Cleveland's run game led by Nick Chubb, who had 100 rushing yards, and Kareem Hunt, who had 88 yards and the Browns' only touchdown, which allowed Cleveland to also put together a couple field goal drives. The good thing for Cleveland is their defense is strong enough it can carry them in games when they're not putting up big numbers on the offense. But if this type of offensive performance becomes a trend, it'll be hard for them to keep up with three tough division opponents in the Bengals, Steelers, and Ravens. Minnesota is better than their 1-3 record reflects, and Kirk Cousins was the best-rated quarterback going into this game, so he's certainly better than his subpar 20-for-38 for 203 with one touchdown and one INT day. But as I've heard said, you're as good as your record says. And what have you done for me lately? And that's that. Now it's time for the favorite best games of the week. Starting with number five, a game we already covered. The Jacksonville Jaguars losing 21-24 to to the Cincinnati Bengals was a great game as we discussed. Then at number four, the Washington football team winning 34 to Atlanta's 30 in an amazing back and forth game. Then at number three, the Tennessee Titans losing in overtime 24 to 27 to the New York Jets. Then at number two, just because it was such a good game and in a surprising way, in my opinion, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers edging out the New England Patriots 19-17, winning because of a doinked field goal effort by New England. And my favorite best game of the week is the New York Giants winning 27-21 against New Orleans in overtime. Now, this was a slow start for both teams in what would become a really exciting and fun game. After three punts, the Saints had a turnover on downs on a fourth and three at the Giants' 29-yard line after a 10-play drive, which is really another example of teams trying too many fourth-quarter attempts at unnecessary moments so far this season. The Saints were in easy field goal range, and the game is 0-0, and you're playing the Giants. Not exactly an offensive powerhouse. Just kick the damn field goal. Anyway, then the Giants have a 10-play drive of their own that results in ironically a missed field goal, only to be matched by the Saints on the following drive when they missed a 58-yard field goal. So to be clear, the Saints first shunned the shorter 46-yard field goal option to go for it on fourth down. Then they decided to go for it on the longer field goal at their next fourth and three, Not exactly Sean Payton's best coaching moment, that's for sure. So halfway through the second quarter, and it's still 0-0. And then the dam breaks. On the first play of the Giants' next drive, Daniel Jones throws a perfect 52-yard deep ball to John Ross in double coverage for an awesome catch and the first touchdown of the day. The Saints kept the points flowing on the next drive, putting together a 90-yard 13-play drive that took over eight minutes for a touchdown that essentially closed at the half. The third quarter was mostly owned by the Saints, who capped off two drives with powerful, block-breaking touchdown runs from their Swiss Army Knife backup quarterback, Taysom Hill. 
Notably, Hill also threw an interception in the third quarter on a deep jump ball at a moment where it really made no sense to play him on a first and 20 after a penalty on their own side of the field. So, going into the fourth quarter, the Giants, down 10-21, to are looking like they're going to taste defeat yet again to remain winless. But then, after a couple punts, the Giants get the ball in good field position on their 46-yard line, and on the first play of that drive, Daniel Jones connects with Saquon Barkley for a 54-yard catch-and-run touchdown that they then combine with a two-point conversion to bring the score within three points. Then, the Giants force a punt, and with 31 seconds remaining in the game, kick a field goal to tie it and take it to overtime. And then in overtime, the Giants get the ball first and drive the ball down the field, and Saquon scores the walk-off six-yard touchdown to win the game and give New York their first win of the season in a great best favorite game of the week even if it wasn't a truly impactful team that got the win it was still really exciting all right before we get to my fan favorite games of the week there's a couple games i haven't yet touched on that didn't really fit into any other segment so we'll just cover them now first one is the kansas city chiefs winning handily 42 to 30 to the philadelphia eagles And the Kansas City Chiefs reminded the country why they're the defending AFC champions in a dominant win against Philly. Patrick Mahomes was as sharp and lethal as he's been through his career, throwing for five touchdowns from 24 completions and 278 yards. And Tyreek Hill was the key recipient this week, scoring a massive stat line that made all his fantasy football owners revel in having likely drafted him as the first receiver off the board. On 11 receptions, he had 186 yards and a whopping three touchdowns. Plus, his touchdown celebration where he did a back handspring using the football in his hands? That dude's just an awesome athlete and so fun to watch in that offense. It was also really cool to learn that Andy Reid got his 100th win with his second team, the Chiefs, against the first team, the Eagles, in Philadelphia, no less. I think Andy Reid's one of the best coaches in NFL history, and his teams have always been creative and exciting and super fun to watch. Philadelphia played admirably, but they just couldn't keep up with the offensive firepower the Chiefs displayed. Even though they got 30 points, it didn't feel that close. The last game I want to cover before we get to my fan favorites is the Arizona Cardinals winning handily 37-20 to against the L.A. Rams. Last week, I gave the Cardinals their own segment. I titled it, On the Rise and Might Get the Prize, because they've shown Super Bowl-like potential going undefeated in their first three games with a high-scoring offense and complementary defense. But how would they do going into the L.A. stadium of the equally undefeated Rams? Honestly, I thought the Rams were going to win. After seeing the Rams defeat Tom Brady and the defending Super Bowl champion Buccaneers the prior week, I thought they would come into this game and continue to put up big numbers while their defense, led by the best defender in the league, Aaron Donald, and the best cornerback in the league, Jalen Ramsey, would be able to slow down the Cardinals' high-powered offensive attack. But boy, was I wrong. Both teams started out okay, 
Then after Matthew Stafford threw an interception on a deep ball, the Cardinals started scoring and the Rams just couldn't keep up. Kyler Murray had another big day, throwing for 20 of 32 for 268 yards and two touchdowns. Not to mention he had some pivotal run plays giving him 39 more yards on the ground. And the rest of the ground game was also strong for the Cardinals. Chase Edmonds ran for 120 yards and James Conner added another 50 and two touchdowns. Division games are tough and no doubt the Rams will come back from this loss and I think they'll still have a playoff worthy season if they can stay healthy. It'll be exciting to see these two teams compete again later in the season. All right, before we finish the show with my fan favorites, we're going to do a quick little first quarter of the season review where we're going to look at each division and just kind of have make a couple quick assessments on where we think each division is and where the division where the division leaders are. So let's jump right into it, starting with the West. And this year it's looking like West Coast is the best coast. Starting with the NFC West, the Cardinals, like I was saying earlier, probably are the best team in the league right now, and they have a really strong chance, I think, to maybe get to the Super Bowl. I mean, that's an audacious thing to say, but it might be true. And then the LA Rams look really good in that division, and you can't discount the Seattle Seahawks at any point. And if the Niners can, you know, make it past all their injuries, they're also going to be really strong. Then if we look at the AFC West, you've got probably other Super Bowl contenders with not only the Kansas City Chiefs, but the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, they look fantastic. And of course, the Raiders, they didn't play well this week, but they really have played great throughout the first three games of the season. They could be another contender and very likely will have a chance at getting a playoff spot. The Broncos, they might be more pretenders, but... There's time to, you know, we have time to see. I really hope they do well, of course, because they're one of my favorite teams. Teddy Bridgewater got concussed. He's going to be out for a little while. So we'll have to wait and see. All right, moving down south for the NFC, the Carolina Panthers have looked really solid starting this season. And when they get Christian McCaffrey back from injury, they're going to be that much better. Can they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? That might be questionable, but I think they got a chance to maybe compete for a playoff spot either as a wild card or maybe make a run and win that division. The other two teams in that division, the Atlanta Falcons and the and the New Orleans Saints, I just don't see them really being good enough to get into the playoffs this year. I mean, the Saints definitely look better than the Falcons, but I wouldn't bet on them making the playoffs. As for the AFC South, it really seems like the Tennessee Titans are the one team that's going to win that division. The Indianapolis Colts are okay, and they might build some steam throughout the season. The Dolphins are still a building team, in my opinion. And the Jacksonville Jaguars are the same. They've got some great components. They got the number one draft pick, but they're not there yet. I really think Tennessee's the only one that's a true contender. And when they get to the playoffs, they could be dominant. I mean, they've proven the last couple of years that their strong run game and stout defense has been able to get them into a very good position to maybe have a chance at a Super Bowl run. 
moving over to the East Coast and starting with the NFC, Dallas Cowboys have to be the ones to win that division when all is said, said and done the way it looks to me right now. Philly could be strong as they progress. They've got a really good defense, and Jalen Hurts is getting better every week and showing why they didn't think they needed Carson Wentz to continue to be a good team. But Dallas has just been dominant. They seem so in control offensively, well-balanced. Their defense has gotten a lot better. In terms of the New York Giants and the Washington football team, they're just not there yet. They're, an okay, they're okay. They're going to be competitive. Taylor Heineke will be fun. Daniel Jones will be fun. They'll have their moments, but they're not going to be division winners. That's for sure. As far as the AFC East, I'll be shocked if the Buffalo Bills don't win that division. Even though the New England Patriots, you know, you can never count them out. And as the season is, keeps going, Mac Jones is just looking really good. And that defense is getting stronger. And they've got a solid run game, so they've got a lot of good components. But I I would put my money on the Buffalo Bills. Of course, the Miami Dolphins just look like a mess. And the New York Jets also really don't look good. I mean, they're just building. They're just getting started. Maybe in a couple of years, they'll be really good. But Zach Wilson's not a playoff contending player just yet. He'll be good, but not yet. Moving up to the north, let's start with the NFC side. And after that first game, there was some question about Green Bay, but that has been squashed since. And in the last three games, Green Bay has been very strong. Aaron Rodgers looks really good, more and more in sync with his teammates. Having Randall Cobb as another wide receiver threat coming back after having played with Aaron Rodgers in the past has got to be really fun for him. And they look like a team that's probably going to win the division. The Minnesota Vikings... They're good, but they keep kind of getting in their own way and making mistakes that are costly in games. Maybe they can fix that, and they'll be a contender as the season goes on. Detroit has a lot of good things going on for them, but i they're just not a good enough team to have a better record than the Green Bay Packers or probably the Minnesota Vikings. And my team, the Chicago Bears, as much as I love them, same thing. I think they're just a bit of an uneven team. Offensively, they're going to struggle. They don't seem to have fixed the problems in the offensive line. Their defense can still compete and might be really great, but again, it might be another lost year for that defense when that offense isn't doing what they need. We'll see, but it does seem like it's the Green Bay Packers' division to win. And lastly, but certainly not least, the AFC North has four really pretty strong teams. The Steelers came into this season and a lot of people thought, okay, they could be really good. And they've struggled quite a bit. But you've got the Baltimore Ravens, who very likely could win this division. They're looking really strong, even though they've had a lot of injuries. The Cincinnati Bengals, with that now very potent offense. And the Cleveland Browns also looking great both offensively and defensively they've got a great run game they've got a great defense with miles garrett so it's kind of up in the air for this division i so i think it was the one of the harder ones to guess who i think is going to win the division by the end of the year if i had to make a prediction right now i think i would probably say baltimore ravens although i really kind of want to lean to cleveland too and joe burrow with chase you know that combination of 
quarterback to receiver really is something special and fun. So that's another very strong division that might get maybe more than one team into the playoffs. What happens after that? Who knows? Time will tell. We'll talk more about that later in the year. And now it is finally time for Fan Favorites, where I get to cover and talk about my three favorite teams in the NFL, the Chicago Bears, the Denver Broncos, and the San Francisco 49ers. Let's start with the team that had the worst week, the Denver Broncos losing to the Baltimore Ravens 23-7. On the bright side, rookie running back Javante Williams showed off the talent that got him drafted early in the second round, although it was the losing effort for the Broncos. But the one run where he busted a spin move and then broke multiple tackles and then dragged two players for more than 10 yards was a thing to behold. Moments like that are why I love watching football so much. Seeing an athletic performance like that, it's just awe-inspiring. But after their first touchdown, it was rough for the Broncos for the rest of the first half, and Teddy Bridgewater took a beating, getting savagely sacked multiple times, the final one coming at the end of the first half with a severe hit to his helmet that I would deem most certainly was to cause for his concussion, which took him out for the entire second half of the game. And Drew Locke couldn't capitalize on his opportunity and played very poorly. And if Drew Locke plays as inconsistently as he's done in the past, the Broncos will have a hard time winning games if Bridgewater is out for an extended period of time. On the Ravens, Marquise Hollywood Brown got over his early season problem of drops and had a spectacular day catching four of his five targets for 91 yards, including an amazing leaping grab in the end zone where he looked like he was six feet in the air as he came crashing to the painted turf with the ball secure. Lamar Jackson had one of his best passing days of his career by throwing for 316 yards on the day, leaving little need for him to run as much as usual, finishing with only 28 rushing yards. And on to another one of my favorite teams losing, the San Francisco 49ers losing to the Seattle Seahawks, their division rival, 21-28, and it really wasn't even that close. It was a very frustrating loss for the 49ers and the fans, especially with Jimmy Garoppolo getting injured and sitting out the second half of the game. And it now sounds like Jimmy G is going to miss some time, so it's the rookie Trey Lance who is going to get thrust into the spotlight, at least for a moment. The prospect of what Trey Lance can do is exciting, but there's bound to be rookie mistakes that could be costly for a 49ers team that has playoff potential. Of course, the NFC West is a tough division, and injuries for the 49ers keep mounting. On a positive, at least for fantasy football fans, Debo Samuel had another monster game with 156 yards off eight receptions and two touchdowns, including the wide-open 76-yard catch-and-run to get the 49ers within striking range of the Seahawks, but still down 21-13. But the Seahawks offense and Russell Wilson, who had some crazy Houdini moments, got another touchdown on the following drive, which was just too much for the Niners to overcome. Seattle and San Francisco now share the bottom spot of the division at two and two each. 
And for my last fan favorite review of the week, I can finish on a high note with the Chicago Bears winning against the Detroit Lions 24-14. With Andy Dalton still out with injury, the coveted rookie Josh Fields got a second chance to start after his abysmal performance in his first start last week against Cleveland's dominant defense. And luckily for Josh and the Bears, Detroit's defense isn't nearly as fearsome. That, combined with Matt Nagy doing what he didn't do last week and adjusting his offensive game plan to be more accommodating to his rookie signal caller, and sure enough, the Bears looked very solid in the win. Josh Fields showed great chemistry with his number two receiver, second-year player Darnell Mooney, who had 125 yards on five receptions, including three spectacular deep catches. Fields showed a lot of promise with touch and accuracy on a number of big plays for a respectable 209-yard passing day with his lone interception coming off a tipped pass. Overall, I think this was a great opportunity for Justin to get experience as he begins his career and shake off the tortured experience of nine sacks from the prior week. Being able to rely on his run game, especially David Montgomery, who had 160 yards and two touchdowns, is going to be crucial for the future. But unfortunately, David Montgomery got injured and he's going to be out for some time, I think. So that's uh, another frustrating moment for the Bears. Detroit showed some positive moments throughout the game, but I feel like their aggressive nature on offense isn't doing them any favors. Down two touchdowns at the beginning of the second quarter after driving 60 yards down the field, they go for it on fourth and goal at the five-yard line and get an incomplete pass. Sure, they're down two scores, but it's early in the game. Just take the field goal. It's not like they were at the one-yard line. Detroit's done this multiple times this season, and it seems like a trend from a lot of bad teams this year. By having so little faith in their team to beat a statistically better opponent, they compound their poor play. Well, that's going to do it for week four of Strider NFL Football Reviews, folks. I'm your host, Ian Strider. Until next time, enjoy your week. Have a great time. Hopefully you see some great football. And I'll talk to you for week five.